Does anybody have faith in this place today? I said, does anybody have faith in this place today? Here's what we're going to do. Grandma, how does your, how does your feet feel? And be honest. Who has faith now? I said, who has faith now? She walked up here with pain in her feet and left healed by the power of God. If that's not enough evidence that God is real and to build your faith, I don't know what it is. Why don't you grab your neighbor's hand? That person next to you might not have faith, but I want you to impart the faith that you have into the person next to you right now. Right now, Jesus Christ, I pray by the authority of the word of God and by the power of your name that faith is released right now into your at this atmosphere god so that the word that goes forth can permeate the hearts of your people today Amen. God is good. God is good. It's been an incredible semester, and I'm so privileged and honored to be home in Tyler, Texas today. I count it a, a very high honor to be able to stand behind this pulpit. I've had opportunities to preach out this past semester. But I can stand here today and so say this is the, true, the truly the highest honor I can do. Is to stand behind a, my home church and, be, and preach what God has laid on my heart for his people today. Amen. God is so good. I'm going to turn your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 21. And while I'm going there, I just want to give a more, little more testimony in this house today. The other, about a month ago, one of my best friends back in college, his mom was getting her nails done, and uh, she fell out. She had a stroke. The doctor said she drank too many Red Bull. And that, that's consequence of it. But stand here today and tell you guys that what the doctor said was a blood clot, blood clot the next day the doctor said I don't know where that blood clot is gone there's no sign of a stroke in her body my God's a healer 
I'll share one more story. We were in an outing in, I forgot where it was, but we prayed and the gift of faith was there. And I stepped to the pulpit and I don't even know what I was saying. But I know God was speaking through me and I said, you don't have to leave this place and go out looking for a 12-step program. That wasn't even my notes. At the end of the service, this lady came up to me and said, I want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I said, we well, can receive it right now. It's not a 10-minute 10, 10 process that you have to do to get the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. You don't have to beg God for it. Long story short, I said, let's just repent of our sins. And she's all, I'm addicted to drugs. So, well, God can heal you from that right now, and he's about to. I prayed for that lady, and she said, before you prayed for me, I was longing for some drugs. I wanted to leave service and go get some drugs. She said, I don't have that desire right now. She didn't receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, but I believe God delivered that lady from drugs in an instant. In an instant. Amen. Those are just some of the testimonies. I keep one of these with me at all times. I don't have it today, and I apologize. I wish I could have it, and I could let you guys read the miracles that God has done this year. We don't live in an ancient day where we have to look back and say, oh, God healed a leper. God healed so-and-so. But we can stand here today, and any of you guys, if you need a need in your life, God can do it today, and he wants to do it. Amen. So... 1 Samuel chapter 21, we find the setting of our scripture text is in Nob. David, after getting on Saul's bad side, so to speak, David travels away from, the, from Saul, fleeing for his very life. He flees to Nob, and here at Nob, David and his men are hungry. They are desperate to get something to eat. And at Nob, David approaches the priest to acquire of Ahimelech something to eat. And so here's where we pick up our text, chapter 21, verse 1, and it says the following. Then David came to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid to meet at the meeting of King David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech, the priest, The king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee. And, I, and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? This is where David is asking for something to eat in his moment of weakness. He says, give me five, lo- five loaves of bread in, it, in mine hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, there is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women, And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common. Yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread. That was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. And this portion of scripture, this next verse is where I want us to zero in on today. David standing there in the presence of Ahimelech and all those that gathered before him. David notices someone very familiar. 
that he perhaps hadn't seen in a very long time. The Bible says in verse 7, Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg and Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. I want to preach today to you guys with the help of the Holy Ghost. Doeg must die. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him, Doeg must die. As you put your Bibles down, can we just lift our hands to heaven and begin to pray right now? Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would help me, Lord, to prepare to preach the word, God, that you have placed in my heart for this church. Lord, I know you're taking us to another dimension in the spirit. And I pray that our hearts would be ready, God, to receive this word today. We give you all the glory and all the honor, Lord. In your name we pray. Somebody said amen as you are seated today. It is no coincidence that what I thought would be a vacation has turned into a, me preaching. I wrestled with coming home. I haven't been home for Thanksgiving in three years. I just like taking the week there in college and just relaxing, going out with some friends, hanging out. But I was at a meeting with one of the pastors there on staff, and he began to tell me, Javier, you need to go home for Thanksgiving. And I was like, why? Like, I can just stay here and get closer to God. Why spend money and go, go home? He's like, no. You have a word for your church. And I began to think, well, why would he tell this pastor and not my pastor? Why wouldn't my pastor call me and say, hey, come home for Thanksgiving? But I believe that God is wanting to take us to another level in the spirit today. It's no coincidence that I don't see many visitors today because I believe what God has placed on my heart is for this church. We find in the story right here that David is nervous, as anyone would be on the first day. I think if I put this on there. Sorry. You guys can hear me breathing. He is nervous on the first day of the job, just as anybody would be. He hears a voice of one of the men that his father sent to him many times before coming beckoning to him to the house, but this time David thought that his father Jesse was just beckoning him to come for another daily duty, perhaps to go get something for him, perhaps to do something back at home for him that he couldn't do. But can I tell you today, it wasn't just a normal call Jesse, that Jesse gives to David, but this time Jesse summons David before, the ki before King Saul himself. Saul was the one that summoned David to come to the palace he wanted him to begin to play the harp as the evil thoughts that were coming in Saul. The anointing was deciding to leave Saul. So as David walks into the palace, we begin to see that David begins to mutter to himself, I wonder if I've got it all together. I wonder if the, the, the sheep hair is out of my body. I wonder if I still smell like sheep. I wonder what King Saul will think about me. I wonder what King Saul has to say before David goes into the palace he begins to ponder just for a little while because the pressure on him was just too heavy too so much that he stopped and to compose himself get it together David get it together 
You're going before the king. Then a voice called out to David that he did not recognize and a face that he had not seen many years. The voice calls out to him, you talk to yourself too? David replies, where are you at? God, is that you? He's, the guy replies, David says, where are you? And the guy replies, you're a shepherd too? Not knowing who it is. And the guy replies, it's okay, I talk to myself too because, you know, the sheep don't, don't talk much. Sometimes you got to keep yourself occupied. And the man asked David, you're a shepherd again. He said, yes, I've told you that. I'm a shepherd. What a coincidence, they both say. We're both shepherds. This man extends his hand to David. I'm Doeg. David shakes his hand back. David. So here's where we find the story of David and Doeg becoming friends. I'm not sure if that's exactly how it happened, but I'm sure it happened somewhere along those lines. You see, Doeg was the chief herdsman of Saul. Doeg was in the palace of Saul, perhaps as a transport for the Edomite country. Because the Edomites were enemies of Israel, so perhaps Doeg had been transported as a prisoner of war and began to work in the palace with King Saul. And so it was no chance, and it wasn't a far stretch, that David had ran into Doeg before. But not this first time that we see it in our scripture. He ran into him numerous times in the palace. I would dare say and step out on ranch that David and Doeg had went out and got coffee at the local Starbucks. <laughs> David and Doeg, I'm sure, shared a couple of tricks of the trade from time to time. David and Doeg were friends. They had a lot in common. They had a lot of things about them that would draw them to each other. But can I tell you today, David and Doeg, although David and Doeg had a lot in common, David and Doeg were very, very different. You ask why? You see, because Doeg was an Edomite and David was an Israelite. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I tell you how. You see, the Edomites were descendants of Esau and the Israelites were descendants of Jacob. So here we have Esau, the father of Doeg. On the other side, Jacob as the father of David. Thus, the traits of Doeg and the traits of David are very opposite. David, as an Israelite, valued the sacred things of God. He valued the priesthood. David valued the anointing of God. David made up in his mind, I will not kill what is sacred. I will not kill what the anointing of God is on. And we find this to be true when David is given the opportunity to kill Saul. You know what the Bible says? When David is given this opportunity, David says, I will not kill what is sacred. I will not... Touch what God's anointing is on. I refuse to touch what God has called holy. And even though this man is trying to kill me, even though Saul is putting me in a tough situation, even though this man is trying to take my value, I value what is sacred. And I value what is holy. Because I value that, I refuse to touch it. But Doeg, Doeg on the opposite side, he was very different. Doeg was reckless. Doeg was a little bit out of control. Doeg did not value the things of things that David valued because Doeg did not love the things David loved. How could he? He was an Edomite. 
Doeg did not grow up understanding that hero Israel, the Lord our God, is one Lord. Doeg did not un grow up understanding that the Sabbath is holy and you should keep it holy. Doeg did not grow up learning that these things that David learned because he was an Edomite. And thus in Doeg was the love of temporal things. Thus in Doeg was the love of temporal gratification. Thus in Doeg was the things of this world. And so in David and Doeg were very different. There is a great frustration within our spirits because we are trying to get Doeg to understand and love what we love. But can I tell you in this place today, Doeg will never love what you love. Doeg will never value what you value because Doeg is not where you're from. He does not have the experience that you and I have. The world, Doeg in this case, does not value the things of God. He doesn't value the things we love. This world does not hold precious the value that we hold precious. Some of us are frustrated because we are trying to make the world understand and comprehend what we love. But that will never happen. Can I tell you today that unless Doeg yields itself to the Spirit of God and receives the power of the Holy Ghost, that it will never understand, it will never comprehend what we have. Uh, that's not a reason to give up, though. That's not a reason to turn around and throw in the flag. But that's a reason to say, God, I'm going to grab a hold of this truth and go deeper in the things of God. The world doesn't understand that his ways are higher than their ways. He doesn't understand, this world doesn't understand that their thinking is cannot compare to God's thinking. Don't allow the world to convince you that what you have is not valuable. The devil is a liar. Doeg, what I have is valuable. Doeg, what I understand that you don't understand, I hold precious. And what I have is valuable. Doeg. You don't know like I know what God has done for me. Doeg, you don't know where God found me. Doeg, you don't know what my family was like before they, God found us. Doeg, you may not understand it, and you may not value my holiness, and you may not value my consecration, and I don't expect you to. But Doeg, you've got to go. Don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget where God has brought you from. The things that God has done for each and every one of our lives, no amount of money can do for us. No amount of notoriety can do for us. So, Doeg, as much as we have in common, as much as I like you, Doeg, as much as we can share tricks of the trade, Doeg, I know you like fishing. I know you have the same sports team. Uh, I know there are some things in common within our spirit. But Doeg, I can't be your friend. Doeg, you don't value what I value. And right now, everything may be okay in our friendship. Everything might be going the way we want it to be. But you see, when it, there comes a chance, Doeg's going to kill what you value. If it comes down to it, who are you going to kill? I don't want Doeg to steal what I hold valuable. 
I will not let Doe kill something for temporal gratification. In my moment of weakness, I will not fall to this world. Doeg, I'm not letting you get in the way of what God has done in my family. If it comes down to sacred things dying or you, me dying, sacred, sacred things have to live. And Doeg, you've got to die. I know what I'm preaching to right now. Some of you have become friends with Doeg. It was a subtle friendship. It was a subtle thing, and you have a lot in common with Doeg. I'm not talking about a person, and it may be a person for some of us. For some of us, it's the things we listen to. I'm guilty of it from some time, time to time. For some of you, it's the things that you entertain when nobody's around. What started out as just a little bit turns into a little bit little bit, little bit, and soon enough, you've got a lot. Doeg has crept into our spirits. Doeg has tried to pronounce death in our life, but today God is here wanting to pour out life into your to, to the anointing that God has placed in your life. He wants to pour in life into the sacred things. He wants to revive somebody today. Doeg must die. The Bible says that, that the days of Doeg and David come to an end. As Saul seeks the life of David, and David flees from the presence of Saul. He flees to Nob, which we read in our scripture text. As we read in the text, David comes to the priest Ahimelech and acquires of Ahimelech something to eat. David and his men are starving. David and his, and his men are hungry. I find it funny that Esau was hungry. Esau was starving when he traded in his birthright. In a moment of weakness, David, just like Esau, succumbs to the pressure and feels that the, that the Bible says that David tells Ahimelech, I'm hungry. My men and us, we've traveled three days and we haven't had nothing to eat. What do you have for us? They were faint. Ahimelech tells David, I have how little bread. Here's something for you to eat. The Bible talks about how Himelech gives David the bread and begins to eat. As David is eating, he begins to scan the audience just as I am. Not knowing who's in that audience. He comes in contact with someone he's seen before. This man is Doeg. Right then and there, there, David knows that the things he has to do. At that very moment, David knows that in that moment, there is one person he did not need to see. David knew if there was one person that I didn't want to be here, it was Doeg. See, because Doeg knew this, and David knew that Doeg was there. He either had a choice to kill Doeg right there, and the sacred things of God live. Or I can allow Doeg to walk away freely, and the sacred things will die. David is faced with a choice. The Bible says that David knew 
that Doeg had no good intentions. And so as David and Doeg are standing there, I can see as they both know what is going through each other's minds, David looking at Doeg, Doeg looking back at David, they're having this epic stare down. An intense moment. They almost couldn't blink. They're both wondering, are we about to duke it out right now? Is this really what it's come to? Is one of us about to die? You know what the Bible says? David did nothing. As Doeg is standing there and, and doing, no, Doeg knowing that he has intel that he can get back to Saul and enjoy the temporal gratifications of Saul loving Doeg and promoting Doeg, what does he do? He says, I don't care about you, David. There was a trick all along. I don't value what you value. All I care about in this moment is that I'm going to be promoted. All I care about is that I'm going to be exalted. All I care about is that King Saul is going to love me even more. David knew all these thoughts were going through Doveg's mind, yet he did absolutely nothing. You know what David should have done? He should have grabbed that sword that Ahimelech gave to him, that, the same sword that he slew the giant with and stabbed him in the heart and called it quits. You say that's a bit too dramatic. That's not a bit graphic. That's not a bit too dramatic. When things of God that are sacred are at risk, you must take the dagger of truth and sword them and kill them with everything you have inside of them. So Doeg, you must die. Flesh, you must die. Sinfulness, you must die. Carnality, you must die. And worldliness, you have to die. We've got to make up in our mind today that the spirit of Doeg will not be able to reign in my life. Everything that is contrary to God, everything that is trying to take out godliness and holiness, and I will kill it at no matter the risk. Doeg must die. Some of you right now are allowing Doeg to live in your presence and you're wondering why, why, God, why can't I go to the next level? Why isn't the church seeing revival like it should be? Why isn't the church on fire like it should be? I tell you today, Doeg has crept into our spirits today. You say, oh, Doeg is nice. I know Doeg would like to package himself as a nice, innocent person. But when it comes down to it, I have to tell you, Doeg is not your friend. It's impossible to be friends with Doeg and the things that are sacred live. It's impossible to be friends with Doeg and things that are holy remain alive. No, you don't understand. That's a big deal is what you might say. No, you don't understand. If you keep going on, if you let it, it like it may feel right in the moment, it may not be right in 10 years. You, you look at the church now and you see it all fine and dandy. Ten years from now, 20 years from now, your church, your kids are in church. And this church that is here, if Doeg remains alive, possibility it won't be here, the church. Doeg has to die for the sake of the church. 
Doeg has to die. I wish somebody would make up in their mind today that Doeg, you have to die. And what we feel right now is conviction. What we feel right now is not condemnation. And don't push it aside just yet. I'm not finished preaching. But let that conviction sink in your heart so that God can do what he wants to do today. Fast forward a couple verses down. The Bible lets us know that David allows Doeg to go completely free. In this next chapter, we find that Doeg does exactly what David feared he would do. The Bible says he goes straight to Saul. And Saul in the moment says, does anybody feel sorry for me? He sit, I can just imagine him sitting there crying. You can picture someone thinking he's a baby, putting a pacifier in his mouth. He's that fed up, he can't find David. And all of a sudden, Doe creeps up and says, I know exactly where he's at. He tells him he's with, he's with Ahimelech. He, put, he puts these thoughts in, in Saul's mind that, oh, David and Ahimelech, they hate you. They're conspiring against you. Saul replies and says, bring me Ahimelech. I know what I'm about to do to this man. And the Bible says they bring Ahimelech. And then Saul asks him, you, do you really conspire against me with David? And Ahimelech says to him, no, I, I thought David was a good man. I thought he was your, your in-law, your son-in-law. I thought he was honorable. And can I tell you today that David was honorable man. David was not going to kill Saul, but Doeg in the moment, he did not value what was sacred and holy. So Doeg saw this as a moment to manipulate what was actually going on. The Bible says that, that David, or rather, rather Doeg, brings Ahimelech and the priest before Saul. And after Saul questions Ahimelech, and uh, he believes the lie that Doeg has placed in Saul. He commands these men to kill Ahimelech. But as these men are gathered, the Bible says that these men make a decision. Some of Saul's closest friends, they make a decision to, to not kill Ahimelech. Why, do you might ask? These men valued what David valued. And although they were in a bad situation, and although the, these men knew that Saul had the power to wipe them all out right then and there, they stood up for the sacred things of God. They began to tell Saul, we will not kill him. We know you have everything inside of you to kill us right now. But if it comes down to sacred things dying or us dying, we will die. In the moment, the room grew silent. And echoes of Saul's words echoing around the room, the Bible says that Doeg stepped up to the plate. Valuing temporal, temporal gratification, valuing King Saul's approval and acceptance, valuing the money and fame success of the worldly pressures that he is about to be wrapped up in as king saul is going to herald him in fame and fortune as the hero that killed the man that saul has been on a journey to find that man doeg the from the edomite lineage of esau the man whose traits had been passed down to him the man that had passed down the traits of valuing what was temporal over the things of God. 
That man Doeg takes his knife, takes his sword out, and right there the Bible says that day he begins to kill off every priest of God that stood in his presence. It was a horrible sight. It was a horrible thing. The Bible says that he killed 85 priests of God that day. You say Doeg was just a good man. No, Doeg was not a good man. Doeg was an opportunist because Doeg valued the things of the world more than he valued the sacred things of God. And Doeg in that moment is slaying these priests. And Doeg is doing this evil act. Doeg viewing the temporal things of this world and holding them more valuable than those things that are sacred. I'm coming to a close. I can get a piano player. That's all we need today. The Bible says that the word gets back to David about what had happened. I want them to put that verse on the screen. Chapter 22, verse, I think it's 22 as well. The Bible says that when he hears of the reports of sacred things that have died. When David hears the reports of valuable things that have left and been, been killed by Doeg. The Bible says this. David said unto Abiathar, I knew that day. When Doeg the Edomite was there, that he surely would tell Saul. David was not ignorant of the consequences of his actions. David was not ignorant of what would happen if he allowed Doeg to live. But David, in the moment of weakness, made a conscious decision that Doeg is going to walk away free today. He said, in this moment, I'm hungry. In this moment, I'm weak. I don't have what it takes to kill Doeg. I feel like I can't make it another day. I feel like I get, I'm just going to die today. I don't have the strength to pick up the dagger of truth and kill him. So I'm just going to let Doeg walk away. And because Doeg, David let, let Doeg live, the Bible says this in the next verse. Oh, right there, sorry, in the same verse. I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. David says because I let Doeg live. Now the blood of all the sacred things that have died are on my hands. Can I tell somebody today in this place, God wants to take this church to another level. But there's some things that have to die in our spirit. There's some things of this world that we have to let go. There's some things, there's some family members we can't be hanging out around. There's some things that don't mix well with our spirit. And that is Doeg. The things of this world can't come with us to the next level of revival that we have. If you allow Doeg to live, the blood of sacred things are on your hands today. God has sent me. I'm not perfect. But God gave me a word for this church. That if we will kill Doeg today, if you kill Doeg, the sacred things of God will live. But if you don't, 
they're going to die. And it may not be tomorrow. And it may not be in your lifetime. But if you contribute to allowing Doeg live, then the blood of sacred things are on your hands. And you can't say you're ignorant. No, 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 no. David said he was not ignorant. David knew exactly what he was doing when he had the opportunity to kill Doeg and he didn't. He said, I knew that day that sacred things are going to die. But I made a decision in spite of what I knew to value. I valued temporal things over the sacred things of God. And if you walk out of this place today, and if you allow Doeg to walk out with you, you are making a deliberate and intentional decision, knowing that you need to get those things out. And God is saying to us in this place, if you'll come to these altars, if you'll come and consecrate your life to me once again, if you'll dedicate your life to me, I will do wonders in your midst. I wonder if all across this house today, we can turn this place into a sanctuary, into one gigantic altar. I know this isn't the type of preaching that that gets you hyped, and I wish I could have come with a happy message, but this is a word that the churches need today. This is preaching that will save us. This is preaching that will save the sacred things of God that we hold valuable. These altars are open today. I know we have another preacher in line, but if we want to take this opportunity to kill Doeg, then God is going to honor that, and there's no telling what will happen today.